In the year 1046, a man named Harald Sigurdsson was crowned as the Viking King of Norway. He would go on to lead invasions of Denmark and England and attempt to conquer those lands, but before any of that could happen, he had led a pretty crazy life and had spent very little of it in the very country he would come to rule. In this episode of HPH, we're telling you all about Harald's early life and the violent twists and turns that led him towards the throne. It is a really cool story, and we know you're going to love it. So let us dither no more. It is time to set down Thor's hammer. Grab yourself a skull filled with mead, settle in, and listen for Odin's ravens as we pillage our way through this episode of Hunter Proof History titled The Last Viking King. Fighting round the world. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. All right. Welcome in, listener. Boys and girls, thank you for joining us today in this exciting tale about the last Viking. Mm. It's a good one, Chris. Oh, yeah. Great fucking story. I consider myself somewhat of a Viking connoisseur, mm-hmm. and I did not know this story. Yeah, it's it's one of those little-known guys, but it's I guess like if you come from Norway, you're pretty familiar with who he is, but other than that, once you get outside Scandinavia... People are like, I've never heard of this dude, Harold Sigurdsson. Also, as we will later call him, Harold Hardrada, which means hard ruler. It's good to have a hard ruler. You need a hard ruler and a soft ruler, you know, because sometimes you might be getting out of the shower and somebody might see you and you're like, whoa, 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 okay. This is what you would see with the soft ruler. With the hard ruler, you're going to get at least seven sixteenths more. <laughs> Seven. I'm neither a shower nor a grower. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a, a hardener, if you will. <laughs> yeah. It actually gets shorter because I guess it gets rounder. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand how it works. Have you ever seen a hockey puck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have you ever seen a hockey puck that maybe a child would use in a doll set? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of. Have you ever? You know, when you're eating the Ritz crackers and there's only like. <laughs> Three or four left, yeah. and you're like, "Well, should I should I twist the wrapping around this and save it, or should I just eat the the three or four? Mm-hmm. It, it's that, it's that yeah. wrapper and all, wrapper <laughs> and all. <laughs> um, I'm glad that we made it thirty fucking seconds before we went to penises. Yeah, well, gosh, damn it, dude, you got to go with what you know, right? Yeah, that's right in the wheelhouse, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of wheelhouse, mm-hmm. This actually has nothing to do with a wheelhouse. I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> we uh, we have an advertisement to play today. Oh, sweet. Yes, okay. it's uh, from some place in South Dakota. I don't oh, know. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh. But I'm like, oh, well, let's get this fledgling podcast. It's so cheap. You know? <laughs> right. They'll play anything. But man, I mean, how much of your audience are you really going to reach? Very specific. <laughs> anyway, here it is. All right, Dale. Are you ready? Oh, yes, ma'am, Mishty. I'm ready. Finally saved up enough to make this commercial, and I think it's going to launch us into the big time. That's great. I love the enthusiasm. Y'all hush up back there. We're making a commercial. Three, two, one, action. Hello (laughs) out there, Sioux Falls and surrounding communities. Have you ever wondered where to get some heavy-duty metal shields for home defense, raiding, or just plain battling? (laughs) Look no further than Dale's Metal Shield Emporium, located on South Kiwanis Avenue in the heart of downtown. We have plenty. Would y'all hush it? Cut. Dale, is there any way to quiet those things down? Y'all heard the lady. Y'all be quiet for Miss Mishty here. Okay, I think we're ready. Hello out there, (laughs) Sue Quiet, please. Okay, really? These things are driving me up a gosh darn wall. (laughs) Are they going to be a problem? Sorry, it's just, it's in their nature, being heavy metal shields and all. They just get a little carried away sometimes. I do apologize. (laughs) Hello out there, Sioux Falls and surrounding communities. Have you ever wondered where to get some heavy... Shut up! (laughs) 
Dale, we're all professionals here. Let's act that way. Yes, ma'am, Mishty. The Lord knows I'm trying. I'm losing my mind. Hello out there, Sioux Falls and surrounding communities. Have you ever wanted oh God tough? Oh, my marriage is falling apart. God isn't real, fucking fuck. Is this guy for real? Hello out there, Sioux Falls and surrounding communities. Have you ever wondered where to get some heavy duty metal shields for God damn it, Russell, I need you now more than ever. <laughs> Hello out there, Sioux Falls and surrounding communities. Oh, fuck. My kids don't respect me. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I can't work like this. All right. I, <laughs> they, they sent us the entire reel. I know, that's very strange. They didn't edit it one bit. <laughs> I don't think they meant to do that. <laughs> well, anyway, if you're ever in Sioux Falls, check out Dale's... Uh, Metal Shield Emporium. Yeah, he's got the heavy metal shields, man. Those are the best ones. But, uh, yeah. I mean, they apparently cause you to have some sort of existential crisis when, you know, you're trying to, you know, just live your life. But still. Yeah. Poor Dale. Poor Dale. Well, thanks for the money, Dale. We, we appreciate it. Good luck with the marriage <laughs> and, and the Russell thing. Yeah. And I guess kids realizing that God is dead. Oh, <sighs> so, uh, anyway, today. <laughs> Well, again, we're talking about Harold Hydrata. So, uh, what's our source on that, Chris? Well, today, Greg, and for the remainder of this series, yes, series, uh, our main source is going to be The Last Viking by Don Hallway, who also has a very fake name. I think we talked about that with, uh, what was it, Jack Mann? You had, mm-hmm. as a source, I feel like Don Hallway was like getting harassed. Maybe he's getting arrested in a meth lab. At, you know, early hours of the day, and the cop's like, what's your name, son? And he's looking out the window, he's like, uh, Don. He's like, oh, okay, what's your last name? He looks just where he's at, and he's like, Hallway! Okay, Don Hallway, what do you do for a living? Well, I write books about history. Oh, yeah? What book you written? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, shit. And so now he has to, like, live this lie and keep going forward with it, and he wrote wrote this book about the last Viking with that cop staring over his shoulder the whole goddamn time while he's typing. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it reminded me, like, when I thought about his name, I just imagined some retiree in Miami, just, like, way too tan with white hair, sitting at, like, a blackjack table, mm-hmm. but he's got, the like, the pinky ring, like he thinks he's somebody. You know, <laughs> hey. I don't know. That's just, that's that was the mental image. I'm fucking Don Hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, Jimmy. Tell this mook who I am. Pit boss is like, I don't know. <laughs> fuck your. Who's this old fuck? <laughs> yeah. The cop from your story is like, do you mean Hallway? <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> it's Hallway. <laughs> All right. Oh, but no, it, I come in here every time and say it's a good book. It, it, these are, this is a good one too. It drags a little. Just to be fair, you have said when a book is not good. Yeah. There's been a couple times where you've been like, yeah, uh, would not recommend. So you do have some credibility here. This one leans towards that territory. There, there's not a lot we do know about Harold's life. So he had to kind of fill in the blanks and sometimes it's just speculation. So I left that part out. But where where he really shines is when he's talking about these battles, these fucking Viking battles, and you can just, like, you get all pumped reading it. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Just, dude, screaming down the hills into shield walls and arrows flying everywhere, and you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, berserker, dude. Whoa, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> fucking Don Hallway's special. <laughs> Kiss the ring. All right. Well, yeah, bud. Check it out if you want to learn a little bit more, but uh, I think we're going to cover it pretty, pretty well. All right, well, without fucking further ado, shall we? Let's do it. Let's shall. Harold Sigurdsson was born somewhere around the year 1015 in the town of Ringariki, Norway. He was the son of a petty king who died when Harold was young, and his mother was a woman named Asta Gudbrand's daughter. And before you're asking, yes, a petty king is just someone who does little shit to get under the skin of other people. <laughs> Sees that truck double parked, you know, picking up two parking spots, and he just pulls his little Honda Accord right up next to the driver's side door so the dude can't get in. 
Fuck you, motherfucker. Think you're special? I'm a petty king. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're at work and you come home and you realize your neighbor's been fucking your wife, but uh, he left his condom in the trash. Yeah. You get the condom and you go put it on his windshield. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Fuck you, dude. Gotcha. You go get that extra fucking large condom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's filled with like a liter of fucking soup, <laughs> and you go put it on his windshield. Gotcha. <laughs> the few times you come home, he's still fucking your wife. You just go over there and turn off his soaker hose so his azaleas die. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> he leaves the bedroom. He's like, well, she's all yours, and you just you're able to look at him and just smirk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Todd, fucking idiot. Those azaleas are looking great, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long, my man. <laughs> well, this is actually asked a second marriage. The first being another petty king, Harold Grinsky. By the time Harold Sigurdsson was born, Asta and Harold Grinsky's son, and Harold Sigurdsson's half-brother, Olaf II, was king of Norway. And he unified most of the smaller kingdoms through both diplomacy and violence. Whoa. Not much is known about Harold's youth. When he was three, his brother King Olaf II came to visit him and his family. When Olaf asked Harold's brothers what they wanted to be when they grew up, they both said they wanted massive farms like their dead, petty king dad. Harold said he wanted warships and an army so big that they would pillage his brother's farms and eat all of their livestock. And Olaf thought that was a pretty badass thing for a toddler to say. <laughs> Now give me that titty. You have a deep voice for a toddler. I'm going to put glitter on their ceiling fans when they're not around because they pissed me off. <laughs> you will be quite the petty king. <laughs> now, Olaf wasn't a super popular king. When he was younger and fighting elsewhere, he had converted to Christianity. and He became one of those born-again Christians that doesn't talk about anything other than religion. And they judge you for doing things like watching American Horror Story, or owning <laughs> and making love to a hentai body pillow. That is not a pillow. It's my waifu. Okay. <laughs> hmm. You wear jeans with the uh, with zippers, huh? But what the fuck is wrong with a zipper? <laughs> it's always the weirdest shit. It's yeah. Like, huh. All right. Mm. All right. Huh. So when you brought your body pillow to Chili's, you ordered shrimp. I guess you haven't read Leviticus, have you? Hmm. Hmm. I see that you've been cutting your hair into a bowl-shaped haircut. You're going to hell. I hate breaking <laughs> you. You're going to hell. I'll pray for you, though. <laughs> wait, wait, what's that going to do? Am I not going to hell, then, <laughs> if you pray for me? <laughs> or, or, um, I don't know. Yeah, I've never understood that logic either, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll save that for another show. All right, let's get into our 10-part series about Christianity. Let's go. <laughs> well, Olaf had also been pretty brutal in how he took and maintained power, particularly over the petty kings in the south. So, when Olaf lost a battle in 1026, the aristocracy decided it was time to send him packing, and replaced Olaf with a Danish king named Newt the Great. Just... On that, I don't know if it's actually Newt. That's what I would have thought. Mm -hmm. It's spelled C-N-U-T. But when I was looking at videos on YouTube, uh, there was two different videos where they were pronouncing it Canute. Okay. So I don't know if it's Newt or Canute, but it's C-N-U-T. See, I thought it was C-Nut, like it was a rap name. <laughs> because when have you ever heard of a silent C, you know? Fuck Come yeah, on. dude. <laughs> Discern. Damn it, there's a bunch of silent C's, aren't there, in the English language? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can go with C-Nut, though. I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think he comes up, like, two more times, so we'll, we'll stick with C-Nut. All right, C-Nut it is. Olaf fled to Kievan Rus, which was a nation that ran throughout modern Eastern Europe that encompassed parts of modern-day Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. Ah, a real homogenized area that all get along to this day. Oh, yeah. There's the most peaceful, loving place in the world. 
Mm. A utopia. <laughs> More like a fruitopia, because it's not good. And that's all I have. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> fruitopia. You don't remember fruitopia? No. <laughs> oh, shit. What is that? It was like a fruit drink that was distributed. It used to have vending machines and stuff full of fruitopias. I'm not making this up. I believe you. It's just a very <laughs> obscure reference. No one remembers that. Okay, good point. All right. <laughs> Fucking charging ahead. <laughs> well, we have no fucking clue what Harold was doing at this point in time. But Greg, since he was 11, it's probably safe to assume he was doing like sweet jumps on his bike, you know, off some dirt hills. And then, you know, he'd, after he'd do that, he'd go home and watch the Power Rangers, and he'd wonder why he felt a little tight in his pants every time he saw the pink ranger getting choked. Mm-hmm. It actually led to a fetish later in his life where, you know, he'd be with somebody and he'd be like, okay, I'm going to put on this pink spandex suit and you just choke me, okay? Just- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, it takes a while to tuck my beard down into the mask. <laughs> Give me a second. When Harold was a teenager, Olaf noticed that Seanut the Great was ruling Norway from his vacation home in England and the throne was ripe for the picking. So he sent word to Harold that he was coming back to Norway. Fifteen-year-old Harold gathered up 600 men to meet his brother when he arrived. They joined up with Olaf's forces to form a 2,800-man army that soon swept through modern-day Sweden and into Norway. The army met little resistance until they reached the village of Stickelstad. As they stood on the high ground overlooking the village, they saw a massive army awaiting them in the form of 14,000 landowners, serfs, peasants, and slaves. The serfs were all just like, What's up, bro? <laughs> She's like, no, we need to be disciplined. You are a part of a fighting force, okay? Calm down. <laughs> oh, check it, bro. Fuck. <laughs> all I'm saying is this war better start before 420 or I am going to be fucking useless. I'm sorry for making the joke, listener. You're all fucking thinking it every time any of us hear the word surf. You're always thinking about surfers. You fucking know it. Do not lie to me. Do not lie to yourself. We will continue the story. Know the truth. (laughs) Well, to fight this army, Olaf and Harold were going to have to give up their advantage and charge down the hill. Olaf then said Harold was a child and he should stay back. Harold insisted he be allowed to fight, and to convince Olaf and his soldiers he was up to the task, Harold wrote and spoke a poem right there on the spot. Here we go. I will dare defend my place in battle according to my mother's wish. Let us redden our shield rims in rage. This young scald will stand. Battle maddened before spears and the swing of swords. Men harden themselves in war. End quote. End quote. They harden themselves with conditioner. (laughs) In the shower. Well, this poem thing worked, and apparently back then poems were cool, which is bullshit, because, you know, when I did this in high school in the cafeteria and to declare my love for the head cheerleader because those are a thing. <laughs> All that happened to me was I got shoved into the urinals while I was still peeing. You ever have that happen to you? Well, <laughs> peeing. Someone walks I up and just say. shoves you and you, the pee just goes everywhere and you're just covered in pee and it's it's the head, it's the captain of the football team. He's like, don't you ever talk to Stacy again, nerd. And then you join the football team to show her how tough you are and you end up in a coma. And they have to wheel you across the stage in an iron lung for your graduation. <laughs> I've never seen the kicker get injured so poorly. <laughs> no, I wrote a poem one time in high school. It was about my buds, uh, mm-hmm. Dylan and Eric. And uh, I ended up getting like some weird stomach bug. Mm-hmm. But the next day, they fucking came to the school with guns and they did bad things. So oh. <laughs> that was the end of, end of my poetry career. <laughs> I mean, and the poem was just encouraging them to do big things. But 
You boys gonna leave your mark on this world. I know it. Yeah, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So I only did poetry one more time, and mm-hmm. it was um uh, it was for a little group of people called ISIS. Anyway, this joke's <laughs> done. Well, as per Norse tradition, a single spear was tossed from the peasant army and the battle began. Olaf, Harold, and their army, wearing chainmail hauberks and carrying spears, swords, and axes, formed a wedge formation and sprinted into the peasant army's line of shields, severing that line in half. Just smashed into those heavy metal shields. It sounded like just a bunch of cymbals crashing and falling on the floor. Well, that is a fantastic tactic, as long as it quickly panics your enemies and forces them to retreat. Unfortunately for Olaf, that didn't happen, and now his army was completely surrounded. Don't you think they would, like, train these things? Yeah, I think... Like, all right, there's several things that can happen that is going to force panic amongst our ranks. Mm -hmm. These are them, like on a whiteboard (laughs) back in, you know, the fucking 11th century. Whatever. But it's like, all right, this could happen. But the only way it's successful is if you pussies turn and fucking tuck tail. All right. So (laughs) let's just pretend. Let's, if that happens, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fucking pretend and then we're going to surround them and fuck their buttholes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But, and that's, I guess that maybe that's what happened here because I'm an armchair amazing general. I've never lost a battle. And you never will. Well, uh, my wife and her boyfriend are fighting for custody of our kids. But other than that one, (laughs) I'll never lose a battle. (laughs) That's that's a metaphorical battle anyways. You know, what the fuck? American justice system, American legal system, like that's a thing. You know, (laughs) you can't tell me what to do. Where in the Constitution is there anything about... Child custody. It's not in there. Huh. <laughs> Funny. Think about that. We gotta fall back on that constitution. Yeah, that's all we have. Hey, I'm very pro 2A, dude. Yeah? I'm big 2A, dude. Yeah. Big fucking 2A, yeah. Okay. Good deal. I mean, it's the constitution, dude. That's what our founding fathers wanted. And I, you know, I hear the arguments of... They, you know, back at the time we had ball-loaded fucking muskets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. And that people say they didn't know that now we could have these high-capacity magazines and these semi-automatic rifles, blah, 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 you know. But I really think if we if we start having allowances for how we interpret the Constitution, then we're going down a bad path. Okay. All right, I'm with you. This is my Chris voice. Well, what about the part about being a well-regulated militia? <laughs> well, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, we're going to regulate it. We're going to put some restrictions on it, and we're going to maybe have a registry. No, no, no. No, you will not. I don't agree with that part of the Constitution. <laughs> Continuing the story, please, Chris. <laughs> Continuing the story. All right, well, here we go. I'm a real boy. (laughs) Olaf expected reinforcements to come rushing down the hill, but at just that moment, the moon passed in front of the sun, casting the entire battlefield in darkness, and the second wave was delayed. During that small amount of time, Olaf II was stabbed in the stomach by a large spear and then had his throat slashed. Harold was also seriously wounded, although it's not clear how or where he was hurt. Still... He wasn't found and rescued until well after the battle, and he was carried to Sweden, which at that point in history, was a wild and ungoverned region. That same year, Harold's mother Asta died of heartbreak. When she found out Olaf was dead, Harold was in exile, and her other two sons couldn't find dates on (laughs) FarmersOnly.com. With no real ties or hopes for a good life in Norway, Harold booked it to Kievan Rus arriving in the capital city of Kiev a year after the Battle of Stiklestad. And that's how you know you got it bad. You're like, ugh, oh man, there's nothing for me here in Norway. Let me go to Ukraine. 
That sounds like fun. Go down there and fight Putin's army, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Defend these fucking oil fields from Hitler's goddamn blitzkrieg. All right, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, I know stuff about history. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, baby. I love to wedge that shit into conversations anytime. You know? <laughs> I had a friend the other day. He's like, you know what my favorite gun is? What's that? He's like, the 1911. I was like, whoa, well, did you know the 1910 was used by Gabrilo Princip to kill the Archduke <laughs> Franz Ferdinand? Uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, no. And I was like, well, I, 1911's my favorite gun, too. <laughs> it's just, you wedge that shit into any conversation, oh, you know? Like, I'm hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about doctor the other day, and he's like, well, we've looked at your scans, and yes, it is a very aggressive form of cancer. It is spreading rapidly. And I was like, well, you know what else spread rapidly? The, Blitz <laughs> the Blitzkrieg, you know? Just stormed right into France. <laughs> no, I, sir, I don't understand if you know how serious this is. Well, you know, that's funny, because I don't think the British knew how serious Hitler was when he asked for Czechoslovakia <laughs> back, you know? <laughs> And that gives you some sort of, like, blind optimism. You're like, well, you know, the Blitzkrieg, they, they spread so fast, but they spread thin. And I have a feeling that's what this cancer's going to do. And it's going to crumble, and the cancer is eventually going to shoot its dog and its mistress and itself in the head in a bunker in Germany. That's that's my cancer. <laughs> anyway, um, do you want an autograph or no? Oh, no. Oh, yes, yes, you do. Oh, that's a rather large bill. Okay. Uh, sir, how long did World War II last? Oh, it went from 1939 to 1945. I know that. Yeah, you're not going to make it that long. Don't even <laughs> pretend like you're going to make it. You wouldn't make it to the end of the phony war, sir. You're not going to see the Battle of Britain, okay? <laughs> oh, so you do like World War II. You do know history. Okay, all right. Nice. High five, Doc. <laughs> and if he answered the question of, you know, when, when World War II was with, oh, it was 1943 to 1945. It's like, oh, he's from the U.S. This is going to be a soul-crushing amount of money that he owes us. Oh. <laughs> Break it to you real easy. <laughs> Well, time to start selling meth to support my family. <laughs> so Harold had fled to Kievan Rus, and the king of Kievan Rus was Yaroslav the Lame, presumably because he had been crippled by an enemy arrow in battle, and also because he built model trains and insisted on showing them to his party guests. <laughs> Nobody cares, Yaroslav. He welcomed Harold with open arms, because dead, dirty Olaf had been Yaroslav's brother-in-law, but also because Kievan Rus was in desperate need of warriors. Just like all of Greg's heroes, Yaroslav ordered an invasion of Poland. Hey! <laughs> you son of a bitch! No! It's not true. Harold was thrown into an army that placed the city of Chervin under siege, which was a wholly unknown tactic to the Vikings of Harold's day. And Yaroslav would not shut up about the sequel to Under Siege because it happened on a fucking train. Like, God damn it, Yaroslav. Mmm. Chef's kiss, one of Steven Seagal's finest. <laughs> and all that is to say, it was a terrible movie. It was god-awful. But one of Steven Seagal's finest. <laughs> Well, once they had the city under siege, according to the contemporary sources, the Rus warriors, quote, retook the Chervin towns and laid waste the Polish lands, end quote, which was probably the only time in history that ever happened. After learning about all the fun that comes with encircling a town and starving the populace to death until they surrender, Harold was sent to the south, where nomadic people known as the Pachiniks were threatening Kievan Rus. For the most part, Vikings didn't use horses in battle, so it was here that Harold learned how to deal with enemy cavalry. He also got rich by looting the Pechenegh caravans, collecting a fortune in gold, silver, livestock, and slaves, both of the sex and of the work variety. 
Well, after three years in Kiev, things were pretty sweet for Harold, who was made the captain of the king's personal forces. And again, this is great for him. This is not great for anyone else. It's not great for society. But he had, quote, a slave girl to serve him, wash him, and prepare his food and drink, and another slave girl with whom he has sex, end quote. I don't approve of Harold's choices. Just saying that. Please don't cancel me. Um, I, I also do not approve. Yes, there you go. Nothing I'm sorry go. that I said that with a question mark. I, I <laughs> do not approve. <laughs> Exclamation point. He was also working on an arranged marriage with Yaroslav's eight-year-old daughter, Elisaveta, which would cement his place in the royal family and maybe give him a path to the crown. But you know, eight. Your old girl. Yeah, what are you, Muhammad? <laughs> oh, oh, that was the voice of Greg, main host. Come at him, please. Uh, why are you what? showing me a why are you showing me a picture of Muhammad you just drew? What are you doing? Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> don't even don't even start with that. Is that not true? Oh yeah, of course it's true. Is that yeah. not like in the Quran? I think it is, yeah. I don't I don't know. I'm speaking out of ignorance. Okay. Well, hit us up in the comments. Don't cut my fucking head off on camera, please. (laughs) Well, way back in Norway, people weren't super pleased with the guy who had taken Olaf's place as king, and they had, in fact, made Olaf a saint. A delegation was sent to Kievan Rus to see if they could place one of Olaf's relatives on the Norwegian throne. Unfortunately for Harold, they were actually talking about Olaf's bastard son, Magnus. Now, Harold wanted to be king, but he couldn't protest the decision because it would go against the wishes of Yaroslav and the people of his own country. If he went back to Norway, he'd have to swear fealty to his half-nephew, Magnus. If he stayed in Kievan Rus, he would never be anything more than a glorified bodyguard. Harold took one good look around and said, Well, there ain't shit for me here anymore. End quote. And it was time for Harold to hit the old dusty trail once again. And that feels like a good place to, you know, maybe take a break. Maybe, uh, go wet our whistles, if you will. And then uh, we'll come back and we'll finish the first part of this story. What do you say? A uh, little side tangent. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that was a weird saying, wet your whistle. Yeah. I only ever imagine a penis. <laughs> yeah. Like, every day. But <laughs> with this phrase, mm-hmm. I extra imagine a penis. <laughs> Double you know? imagine penis, yeah. Yeah. What your what does that mean? <laughs> I don't Why? Know. I guess, you know, if you have a really dry mouth, you can't whistle is the innocent explanation. Okay. But, uh... So you imbibe and then... Yeah. I, I think... Salivary it, glands kick up a notch, or... It's, it's probably just one of those old-timey things that did mean penis. You know, but they couldn't say penis back in those days or they'd burn you at the stake. Mm, mm. Talking about like 1975. But, uh. Okay. Yeah. But no. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go wet our penises and we'll be right back. All right. See you soon. We are back from break. Hope you had a good one. I know I didn't, but once again, I will not get into <laughs> my personal issues on this show. I refuse to air my personal grievances here on this podcast. It was keep it professional, you know, talk about history. That's what I'm here to do, okay? Because my attorneys have advised me that if I keep talking, this is going to come up in court, and I'm never going to see my child again. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Speaking of it is what it is, what this is, is the second half of this show. And what we like to do to kick off the second half of this show is pop the top of a little drink, a little drinky-poo that we call our second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. 
And three, two, one, pop. Taps. I am refreshed and ready to hear what happens in this part of the story, but, you know, I think we need someone, I don't want to say fabulous, but that's the only word that comes to mind when I think of this person, and that is Greg, and I hope you can do this story the justice it deserves. Well, I don't know about fabulous, I'm not even wearing my sequined maid's outfit, but (laughs) I'll do my best. In August of 1034, Harold Sigurdsson arrived in the center of the Western world, Constantinople. Hmm, that's not what it's called. Yes, it is. Maybe that's what it used to be called, but whatever. In 1034, Constantinople. (laughs) The city that Harold would have known as Miklagard, or the Big City, was the capital of the Byzantine Empire, which stretched from the tip of Italy, across North Africa, and into the Holy Land. He had arrived in this magnificent city with 500 Rus warriors who had volunteered to leave their home under his command, leading some historical sources to suggest he was there on an espionage mission on behalf of Yaroslav. Upon his arrival, he decided to join the Varangians, who were mercenary soldiers from the north that served the Byzantine emperor. They were known for being fiercely loyal to the crown and for carrying giant fucking axes that were basically as tall as they were. To join the Varangians, you had to pay for your posting, and then you'd earn back your money after a year and a half, and then you'd get filthy fucking rich. I've heard that one before. Anybody need some Amway dish detergent? Because I am lousy with the shit. Down on my luck, you know, looking for a job. This guy says, hey, I know how you can make some money. Hits me up on Facebook. (laughs) Hadn't talked to him since I graduated high school. And he hits me on Facebook. Hey, man, how's it going? You know, how's the family? You want to get rich while working in the comfort of your own home? Like, fuck, yes, I do. First of all, it'd be nice to be rich. Second of all, comfort of my own home. I'm not even allowed there anymore, but this guy has the answers. <laughs> I'd love to be back in my home. I don't even care about the money part of it. <laughs> yeah. This guy's promising me comfort of my own home. I'm yeah. in. I'm, I, that sold it, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just bought a shitload of detergent. I can't unload the stuff. I'm broke. You mean like no parole officers? Like they're just out of the equation? Sign me up. Uh, This ankle monitor going to like just start flashing red and beeping real loud as soon as I get there? Okay. All right. Is that what Amway is? Detergent? Well, it's uh, it's all sorts of things. It's products you sell, multi-level marketing, scam. Oh, okay. They have a bunch of things. Bunch of things. Yeah. Okay. All right. Guess I never really knew. I did actually almost sign up for it when I was like 18 or 19. Like working Oof. for the grocery store and my boss tried to talk me into it. And I went to the presentation. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I just get my buddies to sign up under me. And then they sell it and I get a cut of their profits and yada, yada, yada. And my dad's like, you're a fucking idiot. This is a pyramid <laughs> scheme. You're going to lose all your money. Your friends are going to fucking hate you. <laughs> like, okay. Speaking of fucking idiots, this is a true story. Um, My parents... Like when I was, I don't know, fifth grade, something like that. They got a phone call back, you know, house phones. It was those days. Mm. And uh, it was basically a, a pitch man. It was like, hey, we can have one of our members come to your house and talk to you about a product. Whether or not you buy that product, you get a free vacation. Mm. Like it was, it was that sort of deal. Yeah. And so they're like, well, okay, fuck yeah. We're not fucking buying it. And this dude shows up, and he's got this fucking vacuum cleaner that looks like it's from 1950. It's got, like, the body that rolls around on four wheels, the hose, and then, like, you do the the extension. Rainbow vacuum cleaner. My parents bought one. It wasn't a rainbow, but it, but it was something <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, And the guy was even like, oh, it looks like you guys cleaned up before I got here. You know, there's, like, vacuum streaks on the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we did. He's like, do you mind if I use my vac? And of course, he showed all the shit that our vacuum uh, didn't yeah, get. Yeah. <laughs> so they buy this fucking vacuum. And this mm-hmm. is like 20 years ago. Yeah. More than that. 25 years ago. And this shit was fucking like $1,500 back then. So mm-hmm. basically a $3,000 vacuum now 
<laughs> they bought this shit. Dude leaves. And I'm like, so where's the trip to? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> These dumb motherfuckers didn't even get the free trip. So Bought the yeah. vacuum. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. They cucked themselves so hard. My parents bought the rainbow from the door-to-door salesman guy or, you know, can I come to your house and show you how bad your vacuum is? And the trick is it, like, uses water in the bottom to catch the dirt and shit. So no matter what, that water is going to look gray and disgusting. Like, even if you just vacuumed with that vacuum and then you go back over it, you're going to get some dirt that's going to make the water look disgusting. And it's the same fucking ploy. It's like, look, look at this. This is everything your vacuum is missing. I think this guy put it like a coffee filter over the uh. inlet <laughs> yeah. and showed us all the shit it picked up. Yeah. But even me, I was fucking dumb as shit. I was a little kid. Yeah. I was still like, uh, I mean, that's a big ass piece of cereal. It's not like our <laughs> vacuum missed it. It's that, well, the vacuum did miss it yeah. because it didn't go over that area. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. Moral of the story, my parents are cucks. <laughs> and that's why I host a fucking podcast. So. <laughs> now, where was I? So, again, you pay for your own posting, and there's different tiers of it, much like multi-level marketing. <laughs> well, Harold, he had enough to buy a spot in the top position, the Palace Guard. But he instead opted to keep a low profile and join one of the combat units. To do so, he had to present himself to the emperor. Just before he had arrived, the old emperor, Romanos III, had been found dead in his bathtub. Now, since they didn't find a toaster in there with him, historians have mostly ruled his death as foul play. The main suspects were his unhappy wife, Zoe, or her epileptic lover, Michael. Either way, Romanos was dead, and Michael married Zoe and was renamed Michael IV and made emperor. Poor Romanos, man. He was just living his life. Hey, guys, I'm taking a bath. I'm going to go up here. If you see my tall brother, tell him I'm upstairs taking a bath. I'll talk to him later. And then... Is this a Kermit impression? No, this is my Ray Romano. Because everybody Uh. loves me. (laughs) I'm the big tall brother, and I talk (laughs) like this. I'm Eeyore in human form. (laughs) <laughs> that's how the brother sounded, right? Yep, that's pretty accurate. And then the dad's like, what are you taking a bath for? Are you gay? And the crowd goes nuts, you know? They're laughing their ass off. <laughs> you gotta love the sitcoms that are in syndication now and, like, realizing how inappropriate oh, by yeah. today's standards yeah. jokes were back then. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. You can't that say that. canceled today. <laughs> you can't say that. Just ask me. I do a podcast. <laughs> you don't have to ask me. I'm going to bring it up. You know? <laughs> I'm going to bring up the podcast for sure. Unless I know you in real life, and then I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Podcast. <laughs> huh? No. no That's not me. No, I, I go by Greg on, on this weird thing, but uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, it turns out Zoe's marriage to Michael also wasn't super strong. And when she saw blonde, burly, six foot seven inch Harold Sigurdsson, Zoe got a big old lady boner. And although she was about 56 years old, Zoe was described as having skin that was, quote, unwrinkled, glossy, and smooth. End quote. And it's very likely that Harold got some Norwegian wood, if you know what I mean. I mean a human penis boner. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that for me. Mm-hmm. Of course. In the meantime, Michael welcomed Harold into the Varingians and sent him to fight the Muslim Saracens in the Aegean Sea. He stood on the bow of a Byzantine ship as it charged towards the Saracen ships under a hail of arrows and javelins, and shouted, I am the petty king of the world. (laughs) No, no. But Harold's ship's strength was the beak that stood at the point of its bow. The ship smashed into the enemies and became lodged. It was then that the Greek fire was unleashed. Sounds hairy. (laughs) And racist. Made of lamb. It's got tzatziki sauce. (laughs) It's not bad. 
<laughs> it's it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. The exact formula for Greek fire has been lost to history, but they basically launched napalm onto their Muslim enemies and roasted them alive. Those that survived were met with Harold and the Varingians' giant axes. This battle in early 1035 is not remembered as a great victory, but it was pivotal. For the following 60 years, the Byzantine Empire controlled the entirety of the Mediterranean. The Varingians and the Byzantine army were then sent to the Anatolian Plateau in modern-day Turkey, where they took on rebellious towns. For the most part, the towns surrendered without a fight, but those that did resist were easily defeated. Harold was so impressive that he was made chief of the Varingians. It was then that he began to butt heads with the leader of the Byzantine army, a dude named George Maniacus. Oh, Maniacus, not Miniakes. I thought he had stolen my uh, fake name on Grinder, So I was going to be very upset. Miniakes? Hey, I'm George Miniakes, because I'm over 40. You know, I wake up, I'm sore. I just want them to know what they're getting into. <laughs> Is it many as in their small aches, or that there's a lot of them? There's a lot of them. Okay. <laughs> there's a, okay. several aches. Like, even for Grinder, I'm whiny and annoying and no one wants to hang out with me. They're like, oh, God, I, don't know. I was trying to get this guy to send me a dick pic, but all he's talking about is a sciatic acting up again. <laughs> he said he'd send me a dick pic, but boners give him arthritis. <laughs> How do you have arthritis in a muscle? <laughs> no, it's not a muscle. It's a bone. It's named boner. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiots. Goddamn, these young twinks these days. <laughs> I don't know anything. My wife's walking by while you're saying that out loud. She's like, what are you talking about? Nothing. Shut up. I'm just looking at my phone. Sports ball. All right. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> well, one night the Varingians were pitching their tents along a coastline when Maniacus showed up and told them he wanted the spot. Harold said, quote, Fuck off. We call dibs, bro. <laughs> End quote. The two men grabbed swords and were about to go at it when someone else convinced them they'd just draw names out of a box to decide it. <laughs> that, was, uh, just, that was their first response. Ah, get the fucking swords! Fucking kill this motherfucker over this campsite! Like, oh, well, we could just... I don't know. Just, like, flip a coin or something? <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, let me put my sword All right, <laughs> fine. As Harold and Maniacus were making their marks... Harold asked to see Maniacus's just to make sure his didn't match. When the judge pulled out a piece of paper, paper. When the judge pulled out a piece of paper, Harold snatched it, said, Yep, that's my mark, and tossed it into the nearby water. Maniacus said, What the fuck? Why didn't you show it to us? To which Harold said, Quit being a little bitch, baby, and pull the other piece of paper, and you'll see it's your mark. It was, and the Varingians got the campsite. Of course, Harold had just copied Maniacus's mark after seeing it, but no one could prove it. <laughs> fucking genius. How did that work? Genius and so fucking childish. Yep, that's ours! <laughs> just right in the fucking water. Uh, hey, it's ours! All right! We win, guys. It's old heads I win, tails you lose bullshit. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Well, eventually Maniacus grew so tired of Harold's shit that he ordered Harold and the Varingians to go back to Constantinople. But, since Empress Zoe was so horny for Harold, it was Maniacus that would be reassigned instead. Around that same time, Cairo and Constantinople signed a treaty that gave control of Jerusalem back to the Byzantine Empire. To celebrate the agreement, Empress Zoe went on a pilgrimage with the Varingians serving as her escort. While there, Harold visited the Stations of the Cross and led a caravan to the Jordan River, where he was baptized and washed clean of his many, many sins. Of the carnal variety, right? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I mean, you could imagine, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a uh, rookie mistake. This is what we call a rookie mistake. He's like, I don't know, at this point, like 25, getting his sins washed away at 25. Come on, man. You got to save that shit for deathbed time. 
Like, oh no. Oh, I got a lot more sinning to do. So let's just wait till the last second. Dip me in the water. I'm clean. I'm in heaven. Everything's forgiven. That's what I never got, man. Like, I'm an atheist, you know? Mm -hmm. But maybe, you know? (laughs) Just right at the end. (laughs) But I'm saving that. I carry around a little vial of holy water with me at all times to where, like, even if I don't see it coming, like, I get shot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, fuck, I'm fading fast. I can't tourniquet my wound, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd splash myself and I'd go, God, I love you. Please forgive me for my sins. <gasps> and then I go to fucking heaven, dude. Are you kidding? <laughs> 72 virgins? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Get to see your old buddies, Eric and Dylan again, you know, uh, when you're up there in heaven, just living it up. They're in hell, Chris. Well, not if you're in heaven and you want to see them, right? Because it's your heaven and you're supposed to be happy. It's always been quite the conundrum, right? <laughs> yeah. What if somebody you loved is burning in hell, but you're in heaven? Is it really heaven if you can't see your uncle that did some perverse <laughs> things in his lifetime? <laughs> what if it's like... In, in heaven, like, it's supposed to be the ultimate reward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, if, I wonder if it's like... What if old Unky's burning in hell because he touched a boy? Yeah, and then you don't get to see him again. Sorry. We left a bone in your body. It's a paradox. You just get to see that bone when you're in heaven. You get to talk to it. Hello. I can see it now. It's on the x-ray machine. (laughs) Maybe it's like the real world is where you still get to see him, but you got to go visit them. I got to talk to my uncle in hell through glass yeah. Yeah, on a telephone. But- <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then hell would be a sham. Oh, that's true. Well, you know? yeah. Oh, so many questions. Not enough time. We'll save that for our 10-part series on God, We still need the 10-part. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A, dude. It would be funny after all this if we actually did a 10-part series on Christianity. <laughs> God. I don't have the energy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, back to real things. In 1038, Harold, the Varangians, and the Byzantine army were back at it again. This time, they were to invade and conquer the island of Sicily, just like Harold's boyhood hero, Audie Murphy. Like, 900 years in the future. (laughs) 900... Five years? Ah, whatever. (laughs) The Varangians once again proved their might by smacking around the Saracens. At one point, Harold was challenged to take a city that George Maniacus considered to be impregnable. Which, same thing I I considered my wife to be impregnable. Yeah. Until that neighbor came around, that pesky (laughs) fucking neighbor. Now I have a Puerto Rican baby. Fucking Todd. Classic Puerto Rican name, Todd. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) My story's falling apart. (laughs) Harold and his men dug tunnels under the city, smashed upward through the town hall, and slaughtered everyone inside the city walls. That's fucking crazy. Impregnated that city, baby, with Vikings. Jesus Christ. It's like having a U-shaped dick. Like, just went under and then fucking in. and then, <laughs> That's how I imagine. I don't know. I've never had sex with a woman. My wife and I just kiss and touch myself. After. Because you're not allowed to do it while you're kissing. <laughs> At another battle, the Saracens covered the ground with spiky caltrops, designed as a barrier against the Byzantine horses. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, a caltrop is basically... You see them a lot in like spy movies or ninja movies. They're these, if you think of the game Jacks or something like that, they're like a metal piece of metal that's spiky and it's got like three or four points. And so, however you throw them on the ground, there's always a sharp point pointing up for somebody to step on. And in this case, it was designed to stop the horses. So the horses would step on it, feel the pain, toss their rider, and then they'd be, you know, vulnerable to attack. Undeterred. The Byzantine put iron boots on their horses, covered them in armor, 
and effectively made them living tanks that smashed through the Saracen lines and led to a massacre. The nearby river filled with so much enemy blood that the Byzantines renamed it Saracena. When the Byzantines pursued the fleeing Saracens, Harold and his men stayed back and collected all of the loot for themselves. <laughs> Fucking genius. Jerks. These guys... They're the assholes that play World of Warcraft and go on the big fucking raid with their guild. And then they just stand in the back while they're killing the bad guy. They run up there and snatch all the good shit. I've never played it, but that's what I would do. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, things were going pretty great in Sicily, but George Maniacus was kind of a fucking idiot. Among the Byzantine forces were several hundred Norman mercenaries who soon became upset that Maniacus wasn't sharing the spoils of war. Maniacus told them to fuck off, so they did. They went to mainland Italy, took over some Byzantine territory, and dared Maniacus to attack them. When Maniacus sent a delegation to negotiate peace with the Normans, one of them punched an envoy's horse in the head so hard that the horse fell to the ground. Then, you know... Appropriate, measured response. Mm -hmm. They tossed the horse off a fucking cliff. <laughs> That's, I mean, it lets you know there's not going to be any peace, but also it's it's kind of a badass way of doing Like, punched a horse. Knocked out a fucking horse. That's already badass enough, all right? <laughs> yeah. Then you got to throw it off a fucking cliff. Right. Are you kidding me? I mean, is it a stick horse, or is this dude just coming up there and, look at my horsey. Is this a pommel horse? <laughs> Was a gymnast really mad that he fucked up one of the twisty turny moves, and he punched a pommel horse and threw, that's fine. That's an inanimate object. Yeah. No, he, he fucking cold cocked a horse right in the face. <laughs> a pommel horse. <laughs> <laughs> The whole way down. <laughs> that poor leathery bastard. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have the dude with the fucking tiny legs and the absolutely jacked fucking arms mm -hmm. at the top. Fucking pissed, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So fucking mad. He's just trying to do spinny moves. <laughs> Don't do enough gymnast humor on this show. So thank you for bringing that to it. <laughs> We need to do more gymnast humor. More yeah. Olympic sport humor. Wolf Dick, put that in the show notes, please. Can't wait till we get to the biathlon. <laughs> well, because of his failure in dealing with the Normans, Maniacus was arrested and replaced by a dude named Stephen, who was somehow worse at leading an army. <laughs> An offensive was launched against the Normans, but it was a half-hearted effort, and the Byzantines were slaughtered. Among them were several Varingians, but not Harold, because he had already been called back to Constantinople. The emperor was dying, and Harold's gilf empress needed an ally. What's a gilf? Like, you don't know what a gilf is? No. no oh. I wrote this outline. <clears throat> well... It's a good old-fashioned lady I'd like to fuck. <laughs> There's a lot of hyphens in that first <laughs> yeah, good, good old-fashioned lady. Of, yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is, dude. And by old-fashioned, I mean she likes to watch Fox News and talk about how the country's falling apart. And, you know, <laughs> she has to wear this necklace around her neck that in case she gets in some sort of medical emergency, she can press it. <laughs> And any time you see her, it's through, like, a cloud of cigarette smoke, and she's going like, I'm not wrong, am I? <laughs> well, I used to say those words in my day. I don't see why things have changed now, and they want to kick me out of the nursing home. <laughs> she's banned from saying words that start with N. <laughs> no, Mom, you cannot say that. <laughs> But I said he's one of the good ones. No, that doesn't... No, God that doesn't, damn it. <laughs> oh, come on. God damn it. It's not 1962 anymore. <laughs> I know, because if it was, I'd pour bleach in the pool so they couldn't swim in it. God damn it, Grandma. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Did you just make that up, or is that no, real? That's a real thing, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. There's pictures of this 
maybe it may have been acid too. It may not even been bleach. Of hotel owner after they desegregated the pools, like dumping it on black people swimming. Oh, America! I fucking hate the world. Anyway, <laughs> that is where we will pick up next time. End of this part of the story. Woo! We did it. We told the first part of the story of Harold Hardrada, the hard ruler, the last Viking king. We, uh, we'll be back next week with a little bit more information, but for right now, we, we actually have more information in the immediate future, and that comes in the form of things we like to call the Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. When you picture Vikings, you might imagine raiding hordes that pillage, plunder, and rape anything and everything that they come across. Olaf II was not that kind of Viking. He forbade pillaging because he believed it was an affront to God. Instead, he paid peasants and farmers for their goods and even stuck them extra money to give to their churches. Fast Fact Number 2 at one point, Zoe asked Harold for a lock of his hair, which was a pretty big deal in 1035. Normally, the male would be so honored that he would fall to his knees and beg Zoe to forgive him for not having shears. Harold was no normal male. He was a prince. So his response was, Let's make an even trade of it, Majesty. You give me one of your nether hairs. <laughs> That means pubes. It does mean pubes. Fast fact number three. The Varangian axe was a pretty badass weapon. Not only could the sharp blade shear off a limb or head with relative ease, the bottom side could be hooked around an enemy's ankle or neck to pull him to the ground, or behind a heavy metal shield to tear it from the enemy grasp. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Jesus. So, sorry, dude. The point on the opposite side of the blade could cause fatal stab wounds. Even the handle was so thick and strong, <laughs> they could be used as a club in dire circumstances. We wish, right, fellas? Fast fact number four. When Harold was in Jerusalem, his Arabic host tried to disgust him by getting him to eat sheep eyes. They had no clue how disgusting Scandinavian cuisine really is. For special occasions, Harold would have had a boiled sheep's head. Another specialty that he enjoyed was a shark that was gutted, buried, and left for weeks to rot, and then dried and cubed before serving. It is said to make most people gag or vomit, but Scandinavians eat it to increase their virility. <laughs> All right, well, that does it. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. If you enjoyed what you heard, please check out our Patreon. Just $3 a month gets you access to new episodes two days early, gets you 39 classic episodes, and over 60 bonus mini-episodes. If you're interested, you can find that at patreon.com slash 100proofhistory, or you just go to our website, 100proofhistory.com. You can also find us on social media at 100ProofHistory, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We do it all. We do it well. Nah, well. <laughs> Shh, they don't come know. On. We, we do it all. <laughs> let's just leave it at that, dude. Let's not oversell. They don't know until they follow us, so let's just hook them in. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah, we're great. <laughs> but that is it for myself. Your sexy co-host Christopher for Wolf Dick, our esteemed invalid producer for Dan Dan, the intro man, says what he does and leaves as fast as he can. We thank you for listening. Ooh, nice. Thank you. And we ask, the only reason this show exists, the only reason maybe the universe exists, we are all just living in his world, main host Greg, what else? Well, thank you for that introduction, Chris. Mm -hmm. And thank you to the listener. For tuning in to 100 Proof History, where we take our history with a side of humor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Harold Hardrada, the Viking who put the hard 
in Hardrada. Whether he was fighting battles or just trying to make it in the world as a mercenary, Harold never did anything halfway. So until next time, remember, if life gets tough, just channel your inner Viking and raid on. Skull. <laughs> oh, always mailing it in. All right, well, we'll see you guys later. Chat GPT, dude. <laughs> I know. I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> Bye. I was talking work. about your headache. Oh, okay. I was about to say, it doesn't work on my emotional pain, but we'll see how the head goes. It does for me, temporarily. <laughs> Just leads to me watching the Golden Girls and crying. No, I'll never have that many close friends. <laughs> Three? Yeah, and, and my mother, a relative. <laughs> so <Yeah>. two. <laughs> Who are you in this scenario? I don't know. The dumb one, <laughs> Betty White, maybe. <laughs> well, only one of them has the mom. Yeah. it's just it's a friend to the others. Yeah. Do they all live in that fucking house? Yeah, they all live together. Uh, are they all just cashing their husbands' pension checks or something? Yeah, I think it's like a retirement house. I don't know what the said the. The first episode sets it up. It's like somebody's house, and they all move in for various reasons. But the first episode I watched when I was very, very, very drunk, so I don't remember much. I remember laughing my ass off, but I, la- I think everything's hilarious when I'm that drunk. Well, Olaf had also been pretty brutal in how he took and maintained. Maintained. I can't. What is happening? I'm having a stroke. It's okay. You uh, are. That's not a fucking normal headache, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, my last words are going to be talking about my hentai body pillow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>